This is One North Stories. Our goal here is quite simple. We provide hyper-local, brand-based storytelling at the intersection of science, technology, and business here in Singapore with a global perspective. We are starting with a launch series focused on technology startups and then plan to take the podcast broader, telling our stories, your stories, about the Singapore deep tech ecosystem. Whether you work as a venture capitalist on Sand Hill Road or in Southeast Asia, already doing R&D in Singapore, or perhaps a student dreaming big about technology, or someone in between. Join us to learn about the exciting technology being developed in our labs in Singapore, their translation journeys to market, and the inspirational people coming together to make yesterday's dream reality. If you have future episode ideas, segment ideas, or want to partner with us on this exciting journey, please get in touch. Our contact details are in the show notes. These are our stories. We hope they inspire you to create your own. And now, on to the show. There was media coverage on the scholarship at that point of time. I actually told the media that I would start a solar company. So I guess here I am. (laughs) This was 2008. Essentially, we're moving from single junction to this tandem architecture. So this is essentially... Think of almost like for this industry, this is like going from like internal combustion engines to electric cars. It's a massive, massive shift, which is what allows like companies like us, startups like us to even enter the space. We're building a tandem solar cell technology, specifically perovskite silicon tandem. So it's, it's actually stacking perovskites on top of silicon. So the di- two different materials absorb different portions of the solar spectrum. And that's how you can overcome the single junction shock equalizer limit. I think the, the process optimization AI platform technology we've built, I mean, addresses a billion dollar tab uh, because it addresses the entire semiconductor industry. So it's not a small tab, but, but you can't build a generational company with that, I think. And that was a reason to go vertical, but uh, Proskite Silicon Tandem was a beachhead. This is uh, a quarter trillion dollar tab going into 2030. So it's a massive market opportunity. Today, we have Vijay and Joel join the show. Their startup, Cosmos Innovation, just came out of stealth. They are an AI-first company looking to design, manufacture, and ship physical products in the semiconductor realm with tandem solar cells as their beachhead market. The AI platform is validated. Device designs are being optimized. The laws of physics and chemistry are the same as they ever were when it comes to devices and manufacturing processes, but AI just plainly allows them to optimize better and faster. Vijay and Joel share about their ambitions, starting from the early days. Joel, upon starting his post-secondary studies, already wanted to start a solar cell company. Now he has one. I especially enjoyed how they described the decision to go vertical as a company. Not contented with building a software company, they're really swinging for the big one. They have identified the opportunity and going after it. Listen into the conversation to find out more. Hello and welcome to One North Stories. Today, we have Vijay and Joel, both co-founders of a company you might not have heard of, Cosmos Innovation. Um, They just came out of stealth in October 2023. Um, Welcome to One North Stories, Vijay. Joel. Thanks, Rini. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your background, science, technology interests, entrepreneurship interests, and then your experiences that, that led you into Cosmos Innovation? Maybe starting with Vijay first. Yeah, thanks, Ruben. Thanks for hosting us here. I mean, A-Star is homecoming for me. My journey in A-Star actually began way back in 2002. Uh, 
after I got a scholarship from A-Star. This was Philip Hugh, and this was the year 2002 after I finished my high school, Wachong Junior College in Singapore. So I was fortunate enough to get the A-Star scholarship, and that took me to Carnegie Mellon for my undergrad, master's, came back, got my PhD at Stanford, and came back to Singapore. Over the years, I ended up sort of leading AI at the Institute for Infocom Research, where semiconductors was a big focus area for us. So we were working with sort of leading equipment companies, metrology companies, fabs, and that's where sort of I met Joel. We realized how disruptive AI is to the solar and semiconductor industry. And we thought, let's roll up our sleeves and build something big in this space. And that's how our journey began. My own interest in entrepreneurship, I think it was definitely, I mean, I do come from a family of entrepreneurs. My, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. Uh, I think, but the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship bug bit me at Stanford. I was always uh, excited. I think the many years in Silicon Valley is where sort of, I thought I got me interested in starting my own tech company as well. I think uh, being in A-Star meeting Joel was the, the right moment to start a company in this space. Right. Yeah. So for, for myself, I've always been interested in science and math uh, since I was young, especially uh, physics in particular. So, you know, so it was a natural fit for me to do a PhD. I think I always wanted to pursue that. So I got the NRF scholarship, uh, was perhaps the first batch of scholars. EDB was managing it. And in, in fact, there was media coverage on the scholarship at that point of time. I actually told the media that I would start a solar company. So I guess, yeah, I am. <laughs> this was 2008. So oh, I guess fantastic. I delivered on that front. And yeah, so did my studies at Stanford. I had degrees in uh, electrical and computer engineering and material science, you know, with focus on, on solar technology. And then after that, you know, um, I, I, like Vijay, right? Stanford was very entrepreneurial. A lot of people wanted to start companies. I naturally wanted to start a company as well. So that happened when I came back. I was at a Solar Energy Research Institute. But after that, I joined A-Star, I-Square, where I met Vijay because ASTAR was starting this huge program of applying AI for semiconductors. So there, you know, we got involved with a lot of the works, working with the tier one companies, and we got very excited about doing this. And, and you know, this was a natural transition to starting our company. So you're both at Stanford, but did you guys overlap at all or just completely missed each other? I, th I think we overlapped, I think in terms of time, but I think we didn't know each other back at Stanford. Okay. So, so Joel, you, you shared as a young guy going into his undergrad, you said you wanted to do a solar startup, solar company. So that's, I, I would say maybe your first technical love. What about you, Vijay? Did you have any first technical love? Uh, I guess my first technical love was always programming. I, I enjoyed programming as a kid since I got my first computer. I remember programming in languages like basic, Hue basic, logo, Foxtro. I think languages probably most people have haven't even heard of. That's where my journey in sort of computer science and began. I was interested, yeah, broadly in computer science at Stanford. I think I was lucky to get into AI and computer vision before it was a big thing. So I think 2012 is when ImageNet happened. I was only in computer vision for a good five years before that. And sort of the whole field rebranded itself as AI. And a lot of the learnings there helped me as sort of I, I came back to Singapore and over the years sort of ended up leading AI at A-Star, a team of over 100 PhDs where over 50 projects, 10 domains, right? And I think semiconductors was always sort of uh, the most exciting one. And I think, I mean, I was fortunate. I think I, I enjoyed physics as well. When I was in junior college, I was in the Olympiads. I think so this in some sense is, was, was a marriage of these two different disciplines like physics and AI. Okay, great. So then you guys were, were both at I2R, decide to, I mean, you your energy builds off each other and say, we're, we're going to spin out, we're going to spin out. Here's what we're going to do. 
from that, let's say, initial conversation to then taking the jump? Was that quite quick or, or kind of took multiple years to kind of incubate, get up the courage to do? Yeah, I think it was, I would say from the, from inception, the idea probably leaving A-Star was probably six to 12 months. I think, I think here we definitely have A-Star to thank. I think A-Star has an incredible network of researchers and visiting professors. I think we, we got to know Tommaso Poggio. So Tommaso Poggio was is, is one of the leading minds in AI. So he backed, he wrote the first check for DeepMind, he wrote the first check for Mobileye, big blockbuster AI companies of our time. So I think he was one of the first people we talked to. Um, he, he loved he loved the idea. I mean, we always had this idea of building a full stack, next gen sort of semiconductor company after building up our platform technology. And we've sort of stuck, stayed true to that vision. And then he, he wrote us our first check. We flew out to Silicon Valley, closed our money, our first round of funding there. So I think that was an exciting experience. And then we decided to take the plunge. Anything to add there, Joel? Yeah. Or you, you, exactly. you always wanted the solar <laughs> company. So this was, this was the pathway to it. Okay, so you guys, I mean, you're, you're then out of A-Star and, and you're in stealth and you, you were in stealth for approximately four years. Was it always going to take so long or kind of did COVID kind of exasperate your, your initial years? So I think, I guess we, we were born out of COVID, right? I think we, we closed our first round of funding, uh, COVID hit, I think. So in some sense, we were born out of the pandemic. Um, I mean, the reason for staying in stealth is I think it, it it took time for us to build out our AI platform technology and then sort of going vertical, right? So we carefully evaluated what vertical we wanted to disrupt and we went through those rounds of financing. I think, and we wanted to build up our competitive moat before announcing, announcing to, the, to the world what we were doing. So I think and that, that's one of the reasons why we stayed under stealth for so long. Thanks. So let's, let's, let's get to know the company a little bit better. You have this tagline at Cosmos. We're building the world's first AI-driven tandem solar cell factories. And then going a little bit deeper, I mean, even beyond solar cell factories, other types of factories. So can you explain to us, what does this mean, right? I mean, AI is not new, as, as, as you mentioned, tandem solar cells aren't new. So you guys are bringing these two things together and kind of, yeah, what, what is your moat and, and how are you kind of right. working to implement yeah, that? So, so exactly, right. AI is not new, tandem is not new, but we are bringing AI superpowers to the table. So essentially that's what differentiates us from our competitors. We're using AI to do, to accelerate process optimization, essentially, just because it's a very complicated technology. Uh, it's very hard for humans, domain experts to optimize just because there are too many parameters and the usual way of doing design of experiments is very slow and manual. So essentially what we're doing here is using AI to do process optimization, to figure out an efficient set of experiments to run each time in order to, for us to ramp up whatever metrics, for example, efficiency to the highest possible number uh, as quickly as possible. Okay. So is that kind of like on the single cell level that, that you're running this on? And then also, you know, as say a second iteration on the manufacturing process or kind of, yeah, what, what are you iterating? Let's say first to get super high efficiency tandem solar cells and then, yeah, to then manufacture right. them. Yeah. So we're iterating on the R and D front. Uh, so essentially we're trying to make high efficiency, stable solar cells that can beat what silicon has achieved right now by at least 10%. And once uh, we have a product that we are confident of shipping, we'll move towards the pilot phase, build up a pilot line, again, use AI to drive the optimization. And after that, scale to a gigawatt factory. So the plan is to build gigawatts of factories, production level for solar cells. And then in future, we, we might explore other domains other verticals within the semiconductor industry, 
that would go potentially expand to. So essentially, solar is kind of our beachhead where we're starting. But you know, our technology is can be applied to any semiconductor device. So we have the potential to go horizontal and optimize other semiconductor devices. Maybe if I could add to that as well, I think maybe maybe taking this one step back and looking at the big picture, right? So essentially think of this as the single most disruptive shift in solar since the first silicon solar cell was invented in Bell Labs like 50 years ago, right? So silicon technology is reaching its fundamental limits and essentially we're moving from single junction to this tandem architecture, right? So this is essentially, think of almost like for this industry, this is like going from like internal combustion engines to electric cars. It's a massive, massive shift, which is what allows like companies like us, startups like us to even enter the space uh, against like massive incumbents, right? So big platform shift, uh, unlike silicon, this entire, this new material system is is not understood. I think it's it's very, very difficult to optimize and essentially where our AI technology, as Joel mentioned, the superpowers we bring to the table allows us to find the recipes which will eventually make this technology commercializable, right? And these recipes will help us hit high efficiencies, high stability. Of course, you have to hit the cost, right cost point as well. Okay. So let's say the, the, the current state of tandem solar cells, perovskite plus silicon, not with you guys, let's say your competitors or who you're trying or you, who you'll have to beat. Where are they right now? Is, is it still kind of like lab based or are there people doing pilot production, small batch So production. if you're talking about tandem technology, it's all mainly lab-based for now. So no one has shipped tandem technology yet. So there are some last mile engineering challenges to solve. And that's okay. essentially what we're trying to solve with AI. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's an arms race to build this technology right now. So there are new startups. I think uh, we're, we're one of the horses in the race. There was an early mover, a company called Oxford PV. Uh, Bill Gates is backing another horse in the race. Uh, of course, the incumbents, uh, some of the leading incumbents are looking into this technology as well. We believe this technology is about three to five years away from commercialization. So it's sort of the right time to put our heads down and uh, work on solving some of the hard problems that are required to get this out of the door. Okay, great. As mentioned, you just exited stealth. How big is Cosmos innovation right now? Yeah, so we can't disclose the team size for cooperative reasons. I think we haven't disclosed it uh, here okay. or to even other news outlets as well. But I think what we can say is we're growing. I think our, our entire R&D line is operational. It's exciting, probably, I would say, one of the most advanced tandem R&D lines in the world, if not the most advanced one. And experiments are well in progress. And, and that's an in-house line? No, it's an in-house line. You guys are, are split between Singapore and, and California. How's that going? I mean, how, how do you make that decision ultimately to be across the Pacific from, from day one or, or nearly day yeah, one? So I think we had a sort of a global mindset from day one. I think Singapore is uh, amazing. I think, but eventually the markets, right? Where are the big markets? I mean, if you look at solar, US is the second largest market in the world. I think for us, some of our leading investors, Eric Schmidt's fund, Innovation Endeavors, Two Sigma Ventures, WTI, the leading Silicon Valley, the leading venture debt fund are all sort of investors based out of the US. If you look at our pool of advisors, I think we are advised by some of the sharpest minds in AI, solar, and semiconductors. If you pick the top 10 AI people in the world, half of them are in the room with us. We have uh, folks like Tommaso Poggio, Demis, well, the CEO of DeepMind, Dick Swanson, uh, Swanson's Law, the guy who founded SunPower. So a good chunk of our advisors are in the U.S. as well. And of course, the, the big market opportunity as well. So I think we had to take a global mindset from day one. I think it sort of made sense for us to have sort of a strong R&D in Singapore while also having a global outlook. I want to take a, a brief tangent. So within ASTAR, we have a, a TIA program 
run by the ASTAR SME office, essentially enabling companies, big and small, old and new, to tap into our scientific talent pool to help develop, accelerate technical capabilities for your products, services, lines that you're understanding. So yeah, you guys at Cosmos, you've had multiple secondees into this. Can, can you explain a little bit, like, especially as, as a startup, as a deep tech startup, you know, how valuable are these secondees in, you know, getting in and kind of, you know, helping you guys hit the ground running or hopefully accelerate your, de your development? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, here's an opportunity for us to thank ASTAR. I think the TUP is an incredible program. I think in our early days, as we were getting started, I think we were fortunate enough to have two brilliant secondees who helped us build sort of critical, critical parts of our AI platform. I mean, as you know, AI talent is scarce. It's, it's hard to find like great AI talent, not just in Singapore, but globally. I think that since ASTAR has done an amazing job, I think the Institute for Infocom Research and more broadly, like ASTAR, IHPC have built an incredible talent pool of like AI experts, right? I think when I was at iSchooler, I mean, we had a team of over a hundred people working on AI and that's rapidly growing. So I think with our own connections, we sort of pulled some of our, uh, some of the best people out to sort of help us build our AI technology in its early days. So I think, uh, very, been very valuable for us. I think as the years went by, I think we, we've continued having secondies. We'll continue doing so in the future as well. Okay, great. Fantastic. Anybody kind of use that or you guys use that as a trial run and then hire them in full-time after, or they, they always went back to, to A-Star? So we will be hiring some of them as well as we, I mean, it's great with the TIA program because a portion of the salary is subsidized as well. I think, I mean, as a startup, I mean, we are a full stack startup, so that's an expensive operation to run. We're running a fab, we're running experiments. So I think any sort of cost savings we have uh, is extremely valuable to us. I think the fact that with the TIA, I think the, the government picks up a portion of the check is, is something we would love to keep leveraging on. Um, of course, along with absolutely incredible people, right? But I think, yeah, definitely we'll be hiring some of these people on board as well. Your secondees, did they ever straddle Singapore and California or they kind of stayed in Singapore? In Singapore, I think the, the, the secondees are, I think, are tied to our R&D in Singapore. I think that's sort of one of the rules of the TIA program. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about your technology, the company, what, what you're ultimately building. So I want to break things down into kind of four categories. We've already touched on, yeah, the AI, the tandem solar cells, the manufacturing of the solar cells. And then the applications, deployments of your tandem solar cells. As you mentioned, you're running a full stack technology startup company. Can you explain your technology stack to us? Like, where does it start? Where does it end? Right. Yeah. So essentially we're building a tandem solar cell technology, specifically perovskite silicon tandem. So it's, it's actually stacking perovskites on top of silicon. So the di two different materials absorb different portions of the solar spectrum. And that's how you can overcome the single junction shock equalizer limit. So with that, given that it's a new technology and it's a much more complicated technology than conventional silicon solar cells, using the traditional DOE design of experiments methods, this is going to be very slow and manual. You know, so for us, we have proprietary AI platform technology that helps us drive process optimization. And we have taken this technology and proven out with many of the leading semiconductor players. Uh, we have shown that we are able to accelerate process optimization by up to 10x. So taking that AI technology, we're going to apply to Proskite Silicon Tandem, and we hope to be able to drive the commercialization of this uh, technology a lot faster than our competitors. So currently we are in the R&D phase, right? and then once we hit certain metrics, uh, we're going to raise a large round in order to build up a pilot line. And once we have 
you know, done the technology transfer from R&D to pilot scale. Uh, we're going to scale up to gigawatts of factory. Um, so that's when we'll start mass producing it, you know, and hopefully produce cost-effective, high-efficiency solar cells. So what, what's your timeline to kind of hit your pilot line to, to let's say, do, do your next big fundraising and, and get there? Is that one year away, two years away? So we are uh, looking at, I mean, a high momentum fundraise going into like 2024, 2025. I think it sort of depends on certain key strategic decisions we make. Uh, but I think uh, it's something that we're still discussing internally on when to get the next round going. But at so far, we've gone through a series of, we've gone through a seed round, we've gone through a series A, we've, we've gone through extensions. I think we've been sort of fortunate enough to be oversubscribed at every step. So. Okay, that's that's great to hear. Just one thing I, I, I want to pick out, Joel, you mentioned that you've tested your AI platform with multiple semiconductor companies. So is that, let's say, another revenue stream for you guys, services that, that you provide? Right. So in the beginning, we did explore kind of the licensing, software licensing model. But I think for strategic reasons, we decided to go vertical and become a full stack company. So now essentially we're using this AI platform internally. We're not licensing it to other semiconductor companies at all. So we think we, we can bring a lot of value to process optimization and why not do it in-house, right? Apply it for our own technology. And that's why we decided to go vertical. Okay. So if, if someone came to you with, let's say, you know, essentially like a contracting thing where they, where they wanted to apply your, to apply your process, would you say yes, no, or let's talk? So I think for now we would say no, and I think we can maybe, it would help to look at sort of the history of how, how this company evolved, right? So in, in 2022, we had to make sort of a strategic decision. Do we want to be a, a horizontal company providing software and services, or do we want to go vertical, right? I think, and, and the decision was, I think at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was a business decision. Uh, I think the, the process optimization AI platform technology we've built, I mean, addresses a billion dollar tab uh, because it addresses the entire semiconductor industry. So it's not a small tab, but you can't build a generational company with that, I think. And that was a reason to go vertical. With uh, Proskai Silicon Tandem was a beachhead. This is uh, a quarter trillion dollar tab going into 2030. So it's a massive market opportunity with sort of software can't capture, right? And I think if you look at, as we went on the journey and we had all these proof points that Joel mentioned, I think we realized we were bringing tremendous amounts of value to our end customers, but it was very hard to extract that value, right? So there's tremendous value, value to our customers, but capturing it was hard, right? And I think because if you're, if you're accelerating early R&D, building new semiconductors, just think about the tremendous amount of value there, but, but your end customer looks at you as a software company, which is why the TAM is much smaller. So it was a strategic decision to go vertical and solar was the ideal beachhead for us given the DNA of the company. It was a confluence of our AI technology with essentially this massive market opportunity arising from silicon reaching its fundamental limits. Now, will we sell software in the future? It's something we, we, we might consider because it does address a big opportunity. But for now, I think oh, we are a small company. We need to be hyper-focused and we can't straddle both. So I think uh, we'll, we'll be focused on our vertical play right now. But it's a decision we'll, look, uh, it's a decision we'll make soon down the road. Okay, that's that's fantastic to see. Yeah, going going for the big shot as opposed to let's say more safer, but but still, but still there. Can you talk a little bit about your IP? Like, I, not not your secrets per se, but let's say your your starting point, and then then how you've built on that starting point. Did you guys in license anything from A Star when, when you started, or kind of you had know how, you had a problem statement, quit your jobs, and then 
started building your your IP stack? Yeah, I think we can both take a stab at this. Yeah, I think so. We we've all the technology the company has built in house. I think the part of it is like, for example, I mean, building this technology is hard, right? Because there are no data sets out there, right? How do you like this is not recognizing cats and okay. cats and dogs or like large language models, right? You have to be in the trenches using fine data with real semiconductor lines, right? So, and I think our AI technology was built in this grind, being in the trenches, right? Working with key customers and R&D partners. So the entire te technology was built in-house. I think lots of proprietary know-how, lots of trade secrets, which we're pretty excited to have. Now, even as we enter into the vertical domain, I think this is a, this is a hyper-competitive space. Uh, it is a space that's dominated by big Chinese incumbents as well. I think if you look at the IP strategy that is followed uh, by most new startups, they keep their IP in-house as trade secrets, right? So that's exactly what we're doing. Like companies like First, First Solar is a great example, $20 billion company, a massive solar company. I mean, they had most most of their knowledge stored uh, in-house as trade secrets. I think we have a similar strategy. Okay, great. Thanks. Can we talk a little bit about end of life of your solar cells, right? I mean, so I, I love your technology stack going to, you know, gigawatts of factories and then deployments, right? I mean, you guys produce, sell, and then, you know, land users or, or leasee owners will, will buy and deploy depending on whatever business model that, that they need to get your stuff deployed. And then ultimately it's going to be there 20 years, 20 plus years. First, maybe a quick question. Is a projected lifetime very similar to silicon solar cells, longer or shorter? And then, yeah, what happens to your product at the end of life? How does it then go back into the circular economy? Right. Yeah. So given that Proska is a relatively new material in terms of reliability and stability, definitely not as good as silicon. So, but you know, a, a lot of things have, are progressing and people are making goods, uh, headways and getting more and more stable proskites. So. I think the goal would be to get proskites to, you know, at least have 10 years warranty, if not three to five years uh, in the future. And then you can start commercializing some of these technology. Yeah. So in terms of uh, recycling, there are companies out there that are working on recycling silicon solar cells. Proskite silicon tandem is not a product out there yet. So people would have to figure out, you know, how to, you know, solve some of these challenges, like separating the silicon with the proskites. Uh, how do you recycle this kind of technology as compared to conventional silicon solar cells. So I think, you know, once we start seeing these products in the market, there will be companies trying to tackle this as well. Okay, great. Just, just quickly, maybe you don't know yet because you're still designing your cells, but like, will the perovskite be like bonded to the silicon or will there be like air gap? Right. Yeah. So there are two different forms, 2T and 4T. For 2T, for two essentially it's called 2-terminal. For 2-terminal, it's bonded. So the perovskite is bonded to the silicon. For the 4T technology, it's actually separated. The proskite solar cells are independent of the bottom silicon solar cells. You could potentially detach them. So in that sense, it's not bonded uh, to each other. Okay, great. Let's talk a little bit about getting to market. So as you mentioned previously, I mean, that, that is your goal to, to build the gigawatts of factories. And you said the next fundraise to get to the pilot is, is, is a couple of years away still. But let's say when you're successful with your pilot and, and you really need to, to start scaling, what type of business model do you guys have or, or fundraising, let's say, to, to get to the big factories? I mean, do you need joint ventures? Probably you do need joint ventures, but, you know, are those, you know, joint ventures where you give up a lot and let's say go to contract manufacturing or you still want to kind of control the manufacturing for yourselves, kind of like maybe like a Tesla does with their batteries? Yeah, so, so I mean, think of, 
uh, this, as, as I mentioned earlier, as the single most disruptive shift in solar since the first silicon solar cell was invented, right? So you're, uh, the analogy to Tesla holds, right? This going, like almost going from internal combustion engines to like electric cars, right? Massive, massive platform shift. I mean, the entire processes are different. The equipment's different. The way the fabs are built is different. So, I mean, or even think of this as building, this is the most advanced technology the solar industry has ever seen, right? So like the equivalent would be of building, let's say a, a two nanometer fab in semiconductors, right? So it's not a technology you can just take and OEM it out. I mean, there's still lots of core difficult manufacturing problems to be solved as well, which I think we will be solving as a company as we scale up the technology. So OEMing it is sort of not an option in the early days, just given sort of how different the technology is and sort of the challenges that need to be solved as well. Now, go to market itself. I think we are potentially looking at a high momentum series B going into like 2024 or even 2025, and that's sort of in the works. We will look for partnerships at, at each step, I think, where it makes sense. Partnerships that would actually lead our time to market, but, but definitely we as a company will be solving some of the hardest manufacturing problems required to scale up this technology as well, because we are in uncharted waters here. No one's commercialized this technology. It's not technology. We can just I mean, call up a manufacturing partner and OEM out. Okay. So then, I mean, the massive equipment that, that's going to be required for this, I mean, would that be like, okay, you, you can't call someone up and, and order it. You can't even do like an RFQ and, and someone reply to that really needs to be a partnership or, you know, some of these key manufacturing equipment you would even look to do in-house. Right. So, I mean, think of this as a big platform shift. So I think that the equipment vendors are also showing up as we speak, right, to enable this platform shift as well. So I think we as a company are not going to build uh, equipment, but we will be working with certain key equipment partners to scale up the technology as well and, and might have to make modifications as needed to like key tools, right? The process flows, the equipment, the manufacturing processes are all things that are evolving, things that we are actively will work on as a company. Okay, great. I want to draw a, a quick analogy to the ITRS, which is the, the semiconductor roadmap that, that we all lived on, okay, in our grad school days, or maybe Joel, before your grad school days, I always digested the, the latest version. I, I assume there, there's a, a solar cell similar map and is, is a perovskite, let's say on the radar. So again, yep. the equipment manufacturers, even though they don't know exactly what's coming, you know, they know something's coming and are, you know, getting ready to move in tandem. Yes. So there is an equivalent, which is called the ITRPV. So very similar to ITR. Yeah. So it's the International Technology Roadmap for PV, photovoltaics. So essentially they're predicting that tandem technology will hit the market by 2027. So that's the projection. And Ruben, you're, you're right. The whole industry will essentially align itself to make this happen. So, I mean, the, the equipment vendors, the, the manufacturers, potentially even end customers as well to enable this technology. Thanks. In reading your, your material, you project, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a 36% efficiency for the tandem solar cells. That's your target. Can you go higher? Right. Yeah. So 36% is what uh, most experts regard as the practical limit for two junction tandem solar cells, perovskite silicon tandem. You could go higher if you essentially stack more materials on top of each other. So instead of a double junction, you could go triple junction or four junctions. So the essentially the theoretical limit goes higher and higher. Uh, so for single junction silicon based solar cells, the theoretical limit is 29%, practical limits probably around 27%. In order to go to higher efficiencies, we had to go to two junction. And that's why you could get to 36. And the only way to go higher is to stack three, go to three junction solar cells. So, you know, there's nothing to stop. You could always stack more and more materials. 
Yeah, and I, I want to just add one what one point of that. So our initial products won't be at thirty six percent, right? So that's the that's the practical limit as Joel mentioned. So think of this as our initial products in in this space. If you're ten percent better relative than silicon, that's good enough to enter the market, right? So, I mean, ITRPV predicts a twenty six percent module in twenty twenty seven, right? That's I mean, incrementally better than silicon, but then that is the beginning of a long S curve, right? And I think it'll take a decade. To hit thirty six percent, I think year on year there'll be an improvement of half a percent to a percent, probably a percent, because I mean for silicon it moves at half a percent a year. I think this is new technology, so that'll be probably be a percent or early on in the game. And I think it'll take a, a decade for that entire S curve to be pan uh, out. One question I, I just thought of: Is there enough perovskite available to to do what you guys want to do? Let's say, is the supply chain for that stable, or also something that that needs to kind of co develop as you and your competitors try to scale this? So perovskites are earth abundant, I think. So, I mean, people don't see any challenges on the perovskite side of the supply chain. So I think no problems. Okay, great. I want to talk a little bit about your partners. And again, specifics, I, I get you probably can't name due to your NDAs and your competitive advantage. But could you talk maybe a bit about in general, about let's say beyond ASTAR, beyond your investors, partners you, you've worked with maybe to date and, and in the near future? Like how valuable do you see these partners? And maybe how do you choose your your partners, your strategic partners? Well, so I would say we're still early in the game there. I think I would say the the companies, we, we can't disclose the semiconductor companies that we worked with, but think of them as one of the leading companies. I mean, as a company, we have worked uh, in the past, worked with leading solar companies and R&D institutes, silicon carbide, we worked on uh, transistors, packaging, and MEMS, I think, to help to build up our technology. But moving forward in terms of partnerships, I think, we're still in the R&D phase. I think we will carefully evaluate partnerships when the time is right and, and go from there, right? So companies will, I mean, essentially help us accelerate our time to market. If you look at some of our competitors, they're, they're going solo. Um, this is not a space where um, JVs are common. Uh, there aren't many sort of JV, JV sort of ex examples in this space, I think. Are, there are many companies that just do the whole thing, the whole entire stack themselves. And that's possible because... I mean, solar is still sort of manageable in terms of CapEx. Okay. So as we mentioned, you guys are out of stealth, entering, preparing for this, this hyper growth phase. So, so we've talked about that a little bit. A step beyond that, maybe not the, the technology, because we, we, we've talked about the, the high performance potential of that. And as your pilot is successful, then, then hyperscaling to the manufacturing. But then how do you see yourselves, let's say, as, as the co-founders of this company, growing that, that hyperscale and let's say, managing the company and yeah, managing not only the technology, not only the, the product development, but also the people. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, I mean, we are in the R and D phase right now, so we need to make the, the, the so-called zero to one move to make this technology viable. I think that's what pretty much everyone, including our competitors heads down is working on. So once we make that move, I think we'll have to scale this rapidly. We have to go build gigafactories and gigafactories of this technology. I mean, the vision of this company eventually is hopefully take this company public as we scale to like multiple gigawatts because it is expensive from a CapEx perspective and hopefully do more, right? I think what truly differentiates us from all our solar competitors is we are in truly an AI first company. We began as an AI company. We built up our AI platform technology and then decided to go vertical, right? So I think for us, we sort of see solar as a beachhead and in time, I think we definitely want to expand beyond her beachhead and build sort of other next-gen semiconductors as well. So I think there's work to grow beyond solar as well. So I think the big vision here would be grow this company uh, one step at a time, scale solar and get into other verticals as well. Okay. You mentioned eventually IPO. When you talk to your investors, 
any timeline you can share? Is that five plus years, 10 plus years, or time will tell? The time will tell is definitely more than five plus years. Okay. As mentioned, you guys are, are four years old. Could you share a little bit what's going well, maybe with you as co-founders and, and your team, your initial team, and then yeah, as you reflect back a little bit over the four plus year journey, you know, what do you think could have gone better? Yeah. So I think what went well could include like building up the team. I think we have an amazing team that actually rapidly built up our R&D line. It's amazing. You, you get to work with really smart people, people that are self-motivated. They deliver or whatever they, they, they promise. So it, it's been great working with them. And I think we did well on that front. I think funding wise, we also did pretty well. We are delivering on whatever we promise. And then hopefully we continue to deliver and, you know, grow this company as, as big as possible, as quickly as possible. Okay. Any, any reflections on, on things you would have done differently? Um, I mean, so far so good. I think as a company, we have been nimble. I think what I think we can be very proud of was, I think we've stuck to our original vision. I think we, if you look at day one, I think our first PowerPoint slides, we said we would build AI technology, highly disruptive for recipe optimization and go vertical and build a full stack company. And so I think that was uh, pretty ambitious on day one. And I think if you look back at the last four years, I think you truly stuck to that vision. And I think we're out here building R&D lines and hopefully we'll build some giga factories here. I think we can be, we're very proud of that. And again, I think as well, I think it's just been an incredible team. I think an incredible team of core engineering team, incredible team of investors. I think we've been fortunate enough to have some of the best investors across Silicon Valley, Eric Schmidt's fund, David Siegel to Sigma and, and Singapore to Masek. I think uh, Zora has been an early backer for us. I think uh, they believed in our vision and I think it's been great and absolutely some of the best advisors as well. I think we've gotten together some of the best minds in AI, solar and semiconductors, right? It takes a village to build a company like this. Uh, it's not a couple of guys in a garage. I think uh, this is not selling software. So I think it's going to take eventually, I think, uh, sovereign wealth funds. I think it's going to take Silicon Valley funds. It's going to take lots of debt um, and oil and gas strategics and more to build this, right? So. Thanks so much. So my next question, you've, you've touched on it a little bit, but maybe see if you have anything to add. Let's say transport yourselves back in time, five, six years, you've met at iSquare, you've got this synergy idea to, to spin out a company. What advice would you give yourselves or, or let's say people in, in similar situations pre-startup? I would say dive in, right? I think be nimble, dive in. And I think be agile, right? The, the market changes. And I think things change, right? And you have to be nimble. And I think you, you can't predict on day one, everything, right? I think, and, and if you did, I think you would be too scared to take the plunge. Right? <laughs> if, you, if you knew what it, would, uh, what, it, what it takes to build a company, you would not do it, right? So I would just say, take the plunge. And, and I think be humble and I think learn, right? Learn from the market, learn from people around you and keep going. But I think that's something we've always, we've done well as a company. We're, we've always been quick uh, to act on feedback that we've gotten either from the market, from our customers, from our advisors. And I think I would say just dive in and be humble and listen. I totally agree. Like being nimble, it's important. Like we didn't predict COVID would happen when we were going to start the company. And, you know, we just had to figure out how to manage that tight over that period in time. I think we have been pretty fortunate. Uh, we still managed to, you know, grow rapidly, um, deliver on whatever we promised, managed to raise pretty well, despite you know, COVID and other financial yeah, I think I would say solve an important problem, right? I think because, I mean, markets go up and down, right? COVID happened. I think the tech markets crashed. I mean, there's, there's always something crazy happening in the world, right? But I think 
if the problem's important enough, I think you can write these storms, right? I mean, in our case, the world needs better solar, right? We can't, the world can't saturate it out with silicon, I think, especially, especially as we accelerate to that zero here. So I think pick an important problem and go for it. Thanks. Anything else you guys want to specifically mention or plug before we wrap up? Uh, I think I would definitely want to thank Astar here. I think Astar has been an incredible part of my own journey. I think uh, it was my first job out of high school. I think my first internships, my first scholarship. I've been with Astar for probably 20 years across my scholarships, my times at I2R. I just want to thank Astar. I think there's an incredible group of people there. I think lots of very, very deep technical expertise. And again, I think you need sort of that base to uh, to go build some of these more difficult deep tech companies, right? If there wasn't an A star, I think it would be our journey would have been more difficult. I think there was this amazing talent pool for us to tap into. I think places where you meet amazing people, right? I think Joel and I met here. I think this is a place to meet amazing co-founders. I think we've been fortunate to meet each other. I think I would say thank you, A star. I did my first internship at uh, at DSI at A star, in fact, and. You know, ASI has always been very supportive. I think yeah. they have very good top-notch R&D research facilities. And that's why I came back to ASTAR, right? To join I2R where I met Vijay because I was very excited about applying AI for the broader semiconductor industry. And it's perfect, right? Uh, I2R was just starting this. I came to know about it. I was very excited. You know, this is what I love to do. I love math. I love physics. And this kind of, you know, combines both of these domains together and I get to do what I enjoy. So I was very excited. I joined and, you know, we started discussing and talking and we got really excited. And that's why we decided to start this company. So we're very thankful for ASTAR for all this opportunity and pretty good connections at all levels of ASTAR from senior management too. Yes. And we look forward to, I think, uh, collaborating with ASTAR more as well. I think it's on the horizon. It's in the pipeline. I think the question is, we're just figuring out when is the right time to jump in and do some IAFs or collaboration agreements, right? So definitely more on, more on the horizon there. And we're talking to sort of key management folks as well. Okay, great. That That's fantastic to hear. Um, where can our audience find find you guys? Website, LinkedIn, email, what's what's the best way to connect, learn about you guys as, as co-founders and then Cosmos Innovation? Uh, yeah, I think our website, uh, cosmosinnovation.com. I think you can always leave us a message there. We'll, we'll respond. We were on TechCrunch recently. There was uh, a lengthy post there. Uh, I think that, that sort of describes our vision, mission, or our company. So I think uh, you can find more details there. I think we were fortunate enough to be covered by many, many news outlets as well recently. So I think you can find us in the press, find us on LinkedIn too. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for your time today, Vijay Joel. And yeah, all the best as, as you guys finish your, your cell designs, pilot, and then, and then mega scale. Thank you so much, Ruben. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ruben. Are you keen to learn more about Singapore's deep tech ecosystem? One North Stories has more than 20 episodes live, publishing every two weeks. It's impossible to choose a favorite, but try going back to episode two, Sentera. They've been doing amazing things since we recorded the episode, including launching Causeterra, a textile technology to remove CO2 from the air. And with that, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please help to grow the show by sharing with a friend or colleague. Please also hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to look out for future episodes as we explore the intersection of science, technology, and business in Singapore together.